I mentioned that yesterday we celebrated Canada Day. And in Canada, one of the, not one of, the highest honor that a citizen, not a government official, not a military leader, not a soldier, but a private citizen, the highest honor that can be given to a private citizen is this award, which is called the Honor of Canada. The, uh, excuse me, the Order of Canada. Thank you. The Order of Canada is given to people that have dedicated significant effort to make Canada better. It is a prestigious award. It is recognized across the country as the highest honor we give our private citizens. And you'll notice that it has the petals of a flower, the royal crown on the top, and underneath it, there's the maple leaf surrounded by these words in Latin, and the words are desiderantes meliorum patrium. Latin, but it comes from somewhere. The Latin came from the scriptures in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16, after the writer discusses Abraham and others of faith that have longed for a different and better nation, country, mother, fatherland. Actually, the word that is used there is patris in, in the Greek. It is used in verse 14 and discussed right through into verse 16 where he says, they desire a better country. So when the Order of Canada was introduced and we had this, this medal that is being given to individuals, it speaks of this very thing, that the desire for a better country is actually something that was biblical and is introduced in Scripture, and it tells us a lot about what God is intending to do. Now, this isn't just a Canada Day sermon. It is Canada Day weekend. We do celebrate. But it's an opportunity for us to stop, pause, and understand how God sees Canada and other nations. So in, in Psalm 22, verse 27, shouldn't be a dash, it tells us that at all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of nations shall worship before him. Wow, what a great promise. Paul, when he was standing in front of the leaders, he was talking to them about this unknown God, and he tells them that he, this unknown God to them, made from one man every nation. The word nation there is the word ethnos. That's where we get ethnicity or ethnic group. Ethnis, ethnos of mankind to live on, the on, all, on all the face of the earth. Now listen to this part. Having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God. So he has given 
these nations that are all over the planet a time frame. And you know, when we look back over history, we recognize that at one point, Egypt controlled that whole region. The pharaohs were kings over that whole region. And then later on, the Babylonians, today maybe Iraq, the Babylonians controlled that whole section of land that we knew at that time to be the earth. And then after that, there were the Medes and the Persians, Iran today. But Persia was a very strong empire. As a matter of fact, today, we have human rights that exist as part of the UN Charter of Human Rights that were established by King Xerxes with Daniel's advice back in the day when they established human rights in Persia that till this day exist. Why is that an important fact? Because as we talk about nations and our role in nations, we're reminded of Daniel and his role in captivity. Daniel was not a Persian. He was an Israelite, a Jew. When the Jews were overruled by Persia, and in Persia, he was an advisor to the highest king. I don't know if they called him Shah back then, but he was King Xerxes. I think that's Kurosh, if I'm not mistaken. He was advising him, and he gave him input as to how to run things and honor people because there was a lot of corruption at that time before Daniel was making these advances. Queen Esther was a key component in that whole process. So God gives time frames. So Persia is not the Persia of yesterday today. Egypt is not the Egypt of yesterday. And then we saw the transition. After Persia, we saw Assyria grow. And after Assyria, we saw uh, all kinds of other kingdoms until the Roman Empire came. And even that kingdom, that Roman Empire, fell. It changed. Three, four hundred after Christ, it changed. And then we celebrate the British Empire. As a matter of fact, it was said that the sun never sets on the British Empire because they had territories from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun, and the sun was always up on one of their lands. And Canada was one of those extensions of France and of the British Empire. There was conflicts, and the British side of Canada won and became a, a, an affiliate or a part of the United Kingdom as a Commonwealth nation. But we are still what, what is called under a monarchy. So as a nation, God has given us a time. And we can point back to the time that this nation was established. That time is very disturbing to the First Nations. Today and yesterday, rather, was, is a very disturbing time to First Nations people. Because we celebrate the establishment of a country, and they celebrate or they mourn the losing of one. We still haven't worked all the details out there. But God gives nations boundaries. So when I look at, for example, the conflicts that are going on in the Middle East or the conflicts that are going on in Ukraine and the land that is being taken from Ukraine and how Ukraine is pushing back, I'm reminded of this word that it is God who draws the boundaries 
not the prime or the, the prime minister or president of Ukraine, not the uh, leader of Russia, Putin. It is not these wars that determine the boundaries. It is God who has determined the boundaries. These wars are means of us understanding where these boundaries align. We discover these boundaries through those. It's not, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's not human drawn. There's a higher power that moves people to establish these. And what causes people to lose land? A few weeks ago, a couple like last week, I was telling you that we are made of earth. So we are connected to the earth. And we have a boundary individually. So what this says here about nations is also true of humans. He determines our boundaries. And what are our boundaries? How much room we take. I'm not talking about physical size. I'm talking about authority. And how much authority we exert individually. And he determines our time. None of us are born because somebody decided that today you're going to be born and we're going to do a C-section. That was the time you were meant to be born. None of us die because... You know, we decide, okay, I'm going to take my life. No, you have a lifespan. Your time, in the same way as nations, has been pre-ordered by God, and you exist. And in the same way that nations, here he says, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might feel around for him, even like blind people feeling their way through. I know when I go to the kitchen at 2 or 3 in the morning and the lights are off, I, I, I feel things. Oh, there's the border of the table. Keep your foot on this side or you're going to stub your, foot, your toe, right? We're feeling our way through darkness. We're familiar with that, right? And we find our way. And he says, and find him, though he's not far from each of us. Now, notice what he's done here. He's switched between nations and us. And he's going back and forth, as it were, between the national and the personal. So in the same way that the nation has a boundary in a time, we have a boundary in a time. In the same way that a nation has to seek God, we are to seek God. In the same way he is not far from us, he's not from far from any nation. That's all beautiful. How does it work? In Psalm 2 we read these words. God is speaking to his son as it were. And he is. And he's saying, ask of me. And I certainly, and I will certainly give the nations as your inheritance. He's not saying I'll give you the people, the individuals. He's saying nations. There's something in God's mind that in our evangelical, personal salvation, evangelistic expression of the gospel maybe we lost touch with the mind and heart of God about how he feels about nations. So I'm hoping today to bring us closer to understanding that and the significance of that to our personal day-to-day -day lives and the ends of the earth as your possession. So God's mind is that when Jesus came, died on the cross, gave himself as a sacrifice for all humanity, is that Jesus would inherit the nations. How do I know that? He himself said that. Before he was taken up, in Matthew 28, he met with the disciples for the last time, and he tells them, go therefore, 
He says, first of all, all authority has been given to me, to him, to Jesus. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. In other words, what he has asked for, the Father will give him. He's asking for nations. And he says to his disciples, for me to inherit the nations, this is what I'm asking you to do. What, he, what he, we saw here in uh, Psalm 2, ask of me and I will give you, for sure I will give you the nations, the Father saying to Jesus. Now Jesus is saying to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. A lot of times we have misinterpreted that to mean in all nations or all people. But the word nation here again is the word ethnos. He's talking about people, groups. What are ethnos? What are ethnos? Well, we think of the Greeks as an ethnos, the Persians as an ethnos, the Egyptians. But we forget that they are all what we read a few seconds ago in Acts 17. From one man, you made all the nations. In other words, while we are big, huge nations, we're really related to one another through our forefathers, Noah, ultimately Adam. So we're all one family. So what he is longing for is all the children of the family to be saved. He's longing for all the different tribes of that family. It's not registering. We still think ethnos. We still think these are different people. The Asians, they look different than the Africans and the Europeans. The Europeans are white, blonde, blue eyes maybe, green eyes. The Africans are dark skins. The Asians are yellow. Uh, the North Americans are red. And we have the song, black and, uh, black, red and yellow, black and white. All are precious in his sight. We used to teach on Sunday school. I'm not sure if that's still an acceptable song to sing. But there's something that God is trying to do with his one family. The one Adam that he created. The one Eve that he pulled out of his rib. He has a huge family. And now he's saying, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. How many commandments did Moses give Israel? That God gave him? Ten. How many commandments did Jesus give us? Really? One. When he was asked, he said about the two that are the greatest. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. But he said a new commandment I give to you in, Matthew, in, in John 13. Love one another as I have loved you. And the old one, love your neighbor as yourself. But this is even higher. He didn't love himself to the point of saving himself. He loved us to the point of giving himself for us. So that's the new commandment. Teaching them all that I have uh, commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the end of this age. So the disciples had heard this sentence before and they had said it before the end of this age so one time in Matthew 24 we read about what's called the Olivet Discourse the Olivet Discourse is basically the dialogue 
between Jesus and his disciples on Mount Olive, and that's why they call it the Olivet Discourse. And in that, we read these words. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. In other words, there was not a huge crowd. It was just him and the 12. And they said to him, tell us, when will all these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They recognized and they understood from the prophets and from the teachings of Jesus that there is an end not only to a nation, he has given the times and boundaries to a nation, but there is a time to end this age. And Jesus answered them and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened, for these things must take place because... Uh, take place, but that is not yet the end. When he said these things, Israel, who he was talking to, the Jewish people there, were under Roman control. And they have seen many wars. And throughout history, we have seen many wars. The greatest war at the time, they called it the World War. They didn't put a one after it. It was just called the, the, the Big War. Because the world was at war. And people thought, is this the end? Before that, Rome was conquering all kinds of places. And people thought, is that the end? And Jesus goes on and he says, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. There's been. There has been. But we are seeing something different today. But, these, but all these things are merely the beginning of the birth pangs. So the birth pangs, for those of you who have given birth, you know they start off very slow and probably not as, as, as strong. They start off mild. But they accelerate and they quicken and they get to the point of the maximum and you know that that's when you have to push to give birth. It's the same with these birth pangs that Jesus is talking about. And he says, then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations. That hasn't happened yet. The Christians throughout history have not been hated by all nations. They were hated in Israel Paul was going around killing them when he was still Saul. They were hated by Rome. And then they were accepted by Rome. They became accepted in Armenia. They became accepted in many other nations. And those nations had become national churches. Our motherland, Canada's parent, England, has a king who is the head of the church in England. The church is not hated. But he says here, by that time, you will be hated by all nations, all ethnic groups, all nations, because of my name. So that's coming. Sorry for the bad news, but that's what Jesus said. And, the, and then he was saying that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. 
Now we get confused sometimes when we read these things. Does that mean that every person has to hear the gospel before Jesus returns? That's not what he says. He says it's going to be preached to all the world as a testimony to all nations. Am I talking about national salvation? We'll come to that. And then the end will come. So once the gospel has been preached to all nations as a testimony, the gospel is preached across the whole world as a testimony to all nations. When did that happen? Well, there's still some nations that have not heard. There's still some parts of the world that have not heard, that don't have missionaries that are going. But I think at this point, it would probably be safe to say that with the internet, the preaching of the gospel has covered the whole earth. There are still maybe some tribal nations that are isolated, that don't have internet. I don't know how God is calculating these things, but I know that this word is true. And then he goes on and he says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as no, has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. And then he gives other signs. He says, but immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will, darken, will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. These are amazing pictures. I'm not sure how much of it is symbolism and how much of it is actual, literal. But whatever way you want to decipher it, whichever way it plays out, it's going to be a very intense time. I'm skipping a lot of verses in between. And then he gives a few parables in his conversation. Parables are not exact linear teaching. They are meant to express a concept. And then he says, learn the parable from the fig tree. And the fig tree always represented the nation of Israel in the, in the scripture. When its branches have already become tender and put forth its leaves, you know that the summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. And when did the fig tree begin to become tender and its branches and its leaves? 1948, the boundaries of a nation were established and the time for that nation came back after it had been decimated in the first century. I'm talking about the nation of Israel. Political Israel, national Israel, whichever way you want to calculate it, that ethnic group, the covenant people of God, have been reestablished in the land that God had given them. And that's one of the markers for us to recognize that God is saying that he's near, that the Lord is coming near. When? There's been many who have speculated, but even Jesus said these words. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the sun. So if anybody comes and tells you, I've calculated when Jesus is going to return, look at them and say, open up Matthew 24, 36. Jesus himself doesn't even know. 
but the Father alone. Now some may tell you, yeah, but as it's coming close to the end, we can see that now Jesus also begins to know so we can know. That's not what it says. And then he gives two other parables in verses 1 through 13 of chapter 25. There's the parable of the ten virgins. Go read it. It's an amazing parable. And then he goes on and gives another parable, Matthew 25, 14 to 30. It's a parable of the talents, how God has given, how the king had given, this master had given one, two, and five talents to people, and he comes back after a while to collect. Amazing teaching in that. But that's not the point of where I'm going. This is where I'm going. Matthew 25, verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, now he, this is another parable. It's called the parable of the judgment of nations. That's what we've called it. But there's a principle that Jesus is trying to express. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, ethnos. And he will separate them. Now, this is where it gets a little controversial. Some people, some Bible scholars, feel that the word them here is referring to individuals. Some scholars feel that no, the context is the gathered nations and the separation is of those gathered nations. I'm not here to tell you which one is right. I'm here to tell you they're both right. Because it's clear that there's a judgment of nations. Historically, God has shown that he judges nations. He judges ethnos. And not just the goyim, which means the Gentiles, or the nations that are the Old Testament talks about in Hebrew. He's talking about individual nations, ethnic groups. But Canada is not one ethnic group. Today it's not. It was less so ethnic group when it first started. There's a lot of mixing of DNA here. And we're becoming part of a bigger family in Canada. So I think that God gives borders even to new nations that are made up of multiple ethnic groups that combine together into a new ethnic group. Maybe. That's entirely God's judgment on that. I don't know the details, but I know the principles. So that's what I want you to, to grasp today. And he, he will, they'll all be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another. As the shepherd separates the sheep and the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king, this is why we know it's a parable. Maybe it's not a parable. Maybe it's a foretelling, a prophecy. Because he is the king when the Son of Man comes. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father. See, it's the king who has a father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Sorry, I didn't show that. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. A T is missing there. 
Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And then when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you have done it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. That's pretty harsh. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me then they themselves also will answer lord when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you then he will answer them truly i say to you to the extent you did not do it to one of the least of these you did not do it to me these will go into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life This can give us the impression that at this judgment seat, he will judge based on actions. But we know that the final judgment is based on personal faith. John 1.14 says, For all who believed, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans tells us that it's not by work, lest any, works, lest any man boast. Our salvation is by faith. So which is it? Is it faith or is it works? And if this passage in Matthew says anything to us, it says it has to do with charity, with love, with compassion. Well, let me help us understand that. Our individual, individual, personal, individual salvation is based on faith. There's no question. But that faith, James says, unless it has the fruit that it is there, is dead. So our faith has to be released in forms of expression of goodness, of love. Remember the, the, the one commandment he gave them? Love as I have loved you. If we have faith, then that faith, that faith that saves us into eternal life, that faith needs to have an expression. And that expression, it doesn't matter what ethnos you're in, what country you're in, that expression gives you the right to influence as Daniel and Esther influenced in Persia. So that there are laws that are established. And I'm not talking just being in, in government affecting law. I'm talking about being kind, being gentle, being loving, being generous, being the image of Christ in our society so that the society itself becomes leavened with something different. Nations will be judged according to their behavior. And what they have done to the least of these. How we take care of the weak. 
the underprivileged, the sick, what our healthcare looks like, what our prison system looks like, what our food supply looks like, how we live as a nation, Canada, how we treat the vulnerable, the elderly, the unborn, the born, the babies, how we treat everyone, how we treat animals. Nations will stand before Jesus and he will not ask questions. He sees it all. He understands it all. There's not going to be a district attorney or a crown attorney. There's not going to be a defense attorney. He's going to be sitting there as prosecutor, as judge, as jury, and his final judgment, his judgment is final. He knows the history. He knows the present. He understands what these nations have done to the least of these. So, Canada Day, we can celebrate, blow up fireworks, fly flags, pray for Canada. But if we are not, as believers, people of faith, acting in such a way that influences this nation unto goodness, then we are actually literally sending this nation to judgment. Now, is this the nation that you're going to be part of and responsible for, for influencing? And will that nation, when it's sent into darkness or the fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels, will you go with that? There is a tension here. And the tension is what God will do to the individual and what God will do with the nation. And I believe that God is a righteous judge. He will never misjudge anyone who has faith and who doesn't have faith. Are you suggesting, Hanny, that if there's a nation that is righteous, all of the people in it will also be considered righteous? Well, I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. Scripture tells us that a wife who is believing and her husband who is not, her husband will be considered righteous for the sake of the children. You go figure that one out. I don't know, but I do know one thing. God is righteous and his judgments are clear. They're righteous. They are good. He is loving. He is merciful. He is kind. I'm not suggesting universality here. Don't misquote me. I'm simply saying that God knows what he's going to do. But we have to do our part. We have to do everything within our power to affect the nation that we are in for good. Now, listen, I just came here from Egypt. I was born in Egypt. Egypt is my mother uh, land. Am I responsible for this new country that my parents brought me to? Yes. What about my other country? Yes. What about the bloodline that I'm from? Yes. It doesn't matter. You are accountable to all the spheres of authority, the boundaries that God has given to you. I'm Armenian descent, born, grandparents born in Turkey, migrated to Egypt. What am I responsible for? Maybe Turkey, maybe Egypt, maybe Armenia. Now Canada. It doesn't matter. Whatever God opens your heart for and gives you the boundaries, in other words, your sphere of influence, you're responsible for that. And don't say God hasn't given me a sphere. He has given each one of us a sphere of influence. He has given each one of us a boundary and a time. And in that time, we got to do what's right. Israel is not now walking in the way it should. 
But what I appreciate about the Jewish believers today, this, the, what we call Messianic Christians, is that they're very clear about this. They understand how God sees nations much better than the rest of us in the church. Why? Because a letter that was written to the Romans says this, and they take it seriously. Paul, in writing to the Romans, he says, I don't want you brothers and sisters to be uninformed about this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. That a partial hardening, a partial hardening, God hardened the heart of Israel, happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles, so that the nations, same word there, by the way, ethnos in the Greek, the fullness of the ethnos, has come in. And so, listen, listen, what does he say? Some of Israel will be saved. Part of Israel will be saved. I don't know how that works. But he says, so all Israel will be saved. In other words, the little remnant that is in the nation can affect the whole nation. Now you're going to tell me, yeah, but that's Israel. They had a covenant with Abraham, with God, and they're part of that. Well, we are inherited that covenant. We're Abraham's covenant children by faith. So he says here, just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, that's Jesus, he will, be, he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. Why? This is my covenant with them when I take away their sin. Same words that Jesus spoke when he served the communion. To all of us. How do I know that? Well, earlier in the same book, the writer, Paul, says that there is no partiality with God. God is not a respecter of person. So you're telling me that all of Canada can be saved? Absolutely. Every person in Canada will become a believer? I don't know. But 99% of Toronto used to attend church in 1900 on Sundays. 99%. If you were part of that 1%, you were the oddball. You were considered the black sheep. 99% of the people in Toronto used to worship on Sunday mornings in a church building. Today it's about 3.5%. I'm not talking political. I'm not talking language here that is aggravating. I'm simply saying we have lost our roots. Yeah, but there's many other people from many other nations that have come here. Great opportunity to show them the love of God. So what am I saying? We can celebrate Canada, but there's something that the Lord is asking of us today. And it doesn't matter. Don't underestimate who you are. When Esther was Hadassah, a young Jewish girl that was beautiful, growing up, not thinking highly of herself at all, but she was attractive to the king. You are attractive to the king. And he picked her out took her to his palace, and she was prepared, soaking in these oils or these, I don't know what they were doing to her skin, different things that for weeks she would be soaking in, and then soaking in perfume. It's exactly what God has been doing with you. He's been soaking you in his spirit to cleanse things out. He's been soaking you into his spirit so that you smell the fragrance of heaven. So that when you stand before the king, 
you who was nothing before, all of a sudden can be a queen, can speak into the culture, can correct things, can influence things. And don't think big. But don't think nothing either. Don't think that you have to be sitting at the right hand of Prime Minister Trudeau or the Governor General and whispering in their ears. You could be speaking to your neighbor across the street. You could be speaking to a child, a friend of your child. You could be speaking to your neighbor. You could be speaking to your colleague. You could not be speaking at all. You could just be showing love and mercy. Remember what I told you about what's happening in Turkey? The church in Turkey went into the area of the earthquake and decided not to preach. They decided to just give out food and shelter and provide water and provide tents and do the work of mercy. And when all the focus shifted off of Turkey and the earthquake, they remained. The news was no longer reporting, but they remained. And people asked them, why are you still here? Everybody is gone. We're here because we love you. Why do you love us? You don't know us. Well, Jesus loved us and showed us mercy and we're here to do the same. And now the door is wide open. Now that whole region is being affected by the church in amazing ways. What about here? What's God doing in your heart? How is your faith expressed? How is your faith affecting the nation that you belong to? Notice I didn't say Canada. The nation that you belong to. It could be five nations. What are you doing about your homeland that you've come from ethnically from before? What are you doing about Canada? Don't think you're off the hook because you say, oh, I'm, I'm focused on where I was born. No, that doesn't work that way. Daniel was a Jew born with the others back in Israel before they were taken captive in Babylon. And he was affecting things in Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego affected things in Babylon. And then when later the Persians took over, in Persia. But he was an Israelite. But wherever he set foot, like God said to Joshua, wherever you set foot, this land I've given you. So wherever you reach, wherever you, with the earth that you have been entrusted with, reach, God has already given you influence and effectiveness in that sphere. How does this affect you? Well, you may think this is such a big message. I don't understand it. I don't. It's very simple. Be the light you were created to be. Be the salt of the earth as you are meant to be. Look for opportunities to pour love out of you to those around you. And the Holy Spirit will guide you then we will be together affecting change. We will be together doing what Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 28. Go make disciples of all nations. He doesn't say that these nations will be judged as sheep and goats based on their faith, but their actions. Individuals, us, will be char uh, judged based on our faith as well as our actions. But nations will be judged on actions. So nations don't become Christian nations full of faith so long as they're doing the good things that Jesus describes here. They will be sheep or goat. So let's stand up together 
And let's make a commitment today to influence Canada, to influence Canada with good. I'm not suggesting a political revolution, no. I'm suggesting a revolution of hearts and hands that serves, that loves, that expresses the goodness of God in every sphere. I'm, ex I'm ex expressing a revolution across the wavelengths, through the internet, through the phone lines, through whatever means, through travel, to the places you have contact and influence. If you want to do that, pray with me. If you want to open yourself up to be used by God, pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for the plans you have for us. They're not plans to harm us. They're plans to prosper us. They're plans to make us a light in the darkness. To make us searchers of treasures in dark places. You gave up everything because of the treasure that you found in that field and you bought it. We're that treasure. The nations are that treasure. The people are that treasure. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to being light, to being salt, to being your hands, to being your feet, to being your mouth, to being your eyes, to see the pain and meet it, to see the sick and bring healing to them, to see those that are imprisoned, in bondage, in all kinds of circumstances, and to speak freedom to them to visit them where they are. Not to expect them to come to our service, but to visit them where they are. Father, bless us as we become a blessing. That was your covenant with Abraham. I will bless you that you may be a blessing. So bless us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I pray this message lands well in your heart. It'll be online in a couple of days. You can watch it again if you feel you need to rethink some of these principles and things. Have a wonderful week. We'll see some of you in small groups. I hope that you're all connected to a small group. If you're not, see Ara and he'll plug you in. And uh, have a wonderful week and happy Canada Day. God bless you.